In the past three years, Colin Macau has risen from marathon newcomer to a 211 personal best and member of the United States contingent at the World Championships in July. A tireless worker, Colin shares with us the details of his high mileage training regimen. Plus, he takes us inside his response to race adversity after getting tripped up at World Champs, and he puts to bed any debate about the best deep dish pizza in his hometown of Chicago. More than anything else in our conversation earlier this week, I left inspired by the discipline and humility that have helped Colin move to the top of American men's marathoning. So without further delay, here's Colin McCow and mile 125 of Seconds Flat. Seconds Flat. Here he goes. This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Flat Zero. Oh, my God. Colin, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. We're really excited to hear about your journey. Let's start at about the 10K mark of the World Championship Marathon a couple of weeks ago in Eugene. Most of us have had a fall on a run or gotten caught up in the traffic at a water station, but not at the World Championships. What happened with the nasty spill there that you took and what was the immediate response you had in your mind? Yeah, it was... Uh unfortunate that it happened um yeah it was a i don't know if we need to get into the details of it but um <laughs> sure I, I i tripped up on a water bottle so someone dropped a water bottle and it tripped me up um my immediate response was just get up in fact i think someone yelled get up too and <laughs> so i went down and you know i just popped right up so the actual fall didn't delay me much especially for a marathon you know a few seconds is nothing um but it was kind of the aftermath, <laughs> which I think is pretty much what happens to everybody uh, when they fall on a race. It's not really the fall itself. It's what happens after in the body's response. But yeah, so I got up. I, I got back in the race immediately. Um, I didn't want to lose the pack or anything at that point because before that I had felt, you know, I was feeling good, which it's only 10K in the marathon, <laughs> so you should feel good. But right. Um, yeah, I got up. I, I kept going with the front group for I, I I know I made it through the first loop before anything was like starting to act up. Um, at least that I noticed. And then at some point things just started to cramp up. But I mean, it was my hamstring first just got really tight. And then at a certain point it felt like everything was trying to cramp up. So the I I had the right side was like completely strained. And so it was like kind of I would say like limping in a way you maybe couldn't tell that by watching, but it felt like I was limping. Um, and the left side kept almost going, you know, you know, that feeling that I'm talking about where you can feel like if you push it, it's going to go. And a couple of times I did have to stop and like stretch it out just because I knew if that, if the other side went, then I'd really be in trouble. Not that I wasn't already, but <laughs> I just wanted to finish. So 
Do you typically have a mantra or mental cues that you're using while you race? And what did you then go to mentally after that accident that could have happened to anyone at any time? I mean, typically my mantra during a marathon, at least I would say, is just stay relaxed, which is probably a pretty common thing people say to themselves in the marathon, uh, which I was definitely saying after the fall and before, <laughs> but after extremely saying that because, you know, everybody talks about the adrenaline and don't get too excited after something like that happens. And I tried my best to, you know, just stay calm, but I think my body had other ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. You can calm your mind and calm your body, but you had 20-ish miles of racing to go, and you can only hide it for, for so long, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't want that to spoil the experience of, of why we're so excited to talk to you. you you've had an incredible couple of years. Your rise within American marathoning has just been super inspiring, uh, I think, to so many people. So let's flash back to college. A decade ago, you're a, a scoring member of the Illinois track and cross-country teams. You had a number of podium finishes, but you never qualified for an NCAA championship meet. First, was there any thought back then that you might be made for marathoning? Um, I don't know about marathoning because that's a whole different beast, but I did think I might be better if we could go a little bit longer than 6.2 miles, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know, tempo runs and things like that, I think give you an inclination that maybe you're kind of a grinder type runner, which works out for a lot of people in the 10 K too. But I don't know. I felt comfortable more at that 440 pace than the sub 430 pace that we, that we wanted to try to hit in those yeah. short uh, so take us through that journey of the past decade post-college. A lot of folks are familiar now with Kira D'Amato's story as she took time and space away from pro running only to come back and find an approach that works for her and on, on her terms. And now she's the American women's marathon record holder. And it seems, Colin, like you have some parallels to your story. Yeah, maybe. I'm not completely familiar with her story. I know she took time away and now is back and doing extremely well. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> um, that's the basic premise. Yeah. Uh so yeah, after college, I like you said I had I didn't qualify for NCAAs or anything, so I wasn't like thinking I was going to sign a deal and it was be a full-time runner that pays his bills that way. So I just thought that was the end of the road. I'll just focus on my career in I had a degree in finance, so you know, I thought that would be my path for the rest of my life. Um I kept running a bit you know, I, I did right after college, it was less, but at a certain point I started doing about an hour a day, maybe a couple of years after college just to stay in shape. And then I, I would lift for a couple hours a day as well. Um, so I, I never got away from working out a lot, but it was, it was a bit different. And the, the hour wasn't like, it wasn't like training. It was just jog an hour. And then it wasn't like one day I just decided I'm going to start racing again or anything. I, there was a half marathon that started about a half mile from my house um, or where I lived at the time. And so the year before I had, I saw like the winner get interviewed and everything. And I was like, I, I know I could beat that guy, <laughs> but I thought, so the next year I didn't like go the year planning on doing this race or anything. It's just, I saw somewhere I saw that it was happening again. And I just was like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to sign up and see how it goes. And 
I didn't run anything crazy there, but um, I did run a 107 by myself and I had never raced anything over 10K. So I, I started at like six something base, like 630, maybe something like that. And then just felt good. And I was like, there's not even that much left. I might as well pick it up. So I, I got, I had to cut it down. I don't know my exact miles, but to run a 107 when I started that slow, I was like, that's pretty decent. And I hadn't started training. I was still probably doing the hour a day and lifting. So after that, I kind of thought maybe if I train, you know, I could win some of these local races because it's pretty fun to win those. That was kind of my plan. I didn't think I would end up, you know, being competitive in the nation or anything that wasn't like a goal of mine. It just was a natural progression. I guess as time went on, I, I got better. Do you think there are splits from that race anywhere online? Have you tried to look to see if they have any kind of breakdown? Because you went out on like 125 pace and finished in 67. Your cut down in those last few miles had to be incredible. Um, no, I don't know if there are any splits. Did you, you know that those are those are times? Like, did you find that somewhere? No, no, I didn't. I oh, just, I, <laughs> no, I wasn't. Yeah, no, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't like a big race or anything so if there are splits it's not there's not going to be mile splits i'm not sure what they would have but um yeah i'm not i'm not sure okay i wasn't holding out on you there like i found the information i just wondered if at some point you had thought maybe i gotta look up and see what i did because yeah that had to be light lightning fast at the end um, yeah, it pretty fast. yeah so tell us then about during that time that you were away uh, before you came back and then really started training what else is going on in life you're a, a a normal guy like so many of us with a day job what all are you balancing so before i got back into running yeah well at that time i i got married uh, at some point and just work i mean that was it at the time now i have a son we recently had a baby he's four months old um but that's obviously been since i started running again but yeah when i wasn't running you know it was work which can take up your whole day yeah <laughs> and then just and then just the working out but like I said, I, I kept working out. I just wasn't training for races, really. Did you feel coming out of Illinois like you were burnt out and needed time away? I wouldn't say I was burnt out. Um, I would say I never liked running. Oh, okay. Um, I used to say all the time back then that I, I only ran because I was good at it. I, I really didn't like running back then. And so that's definitely something that changed as time went on, I started like running more. So now I like, I, I like going out and doing a long run. Back then we were running two hour long runs, which I dreaded it every Sunday. And now I like, you know, I do like two and a half much faster pace and I, and I enjoy it. I'm not sure what that is. If it's, you know, I've been beaten down by the corporate life and now I know running is better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have some perspective now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, to that point, uh, those who have followed your training, if they follow on Strava or you've been on some Sweat Elite videos, you're known for that high volume of training. So a guy who once didn't like to run is now often putting in 140, 150 miles a week. In some ways, it feels like a throwback to uh, marathoners of a different generation. Could you walk us through a typical training week for you? Yeah, so in like a training block for the marathon, we can start on Monday, I guess. So Monday would be, well, 
Maybe we should start on Tuesday because Monday I have the oh, like a weekend block that's kind of big. So okay, cool. Let's Tuesday do would Tuesday. be an easy day. It'd be I'd start with twelve miles before work, six miles after work. So that's my easy day, which will be the same as Thursday. Wednesday's the more focused workout, I guess you could say, rather than just a progression, because every other workout's just a progression. So Wednesday could be interval type stuff or like a tempo, hour-long tempo or something like that. Then Thursday is easy. Friday is another easy day. Um, so I have three easy days. And then Saturday would be my long run, which will be the longest of the week. And during marathon training, I like to run a marathon for that. So 26.2 at least. And then Sunday is at 20 miles. Both of those I'll progress down to, I guess you could call it marathon pace. It's not, I don't really think of it that way. I just progress, you know, I get faster and faster. And it ends up being low five, sub five around there, usually at the end of both of those. And then Monday will be the same thing with the progression, similar progression, but it's 18 in the morning and then six after work. So I have kind of three, three longer runs in a row where I progress down to low five, sub five around there. On those easy days, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, what kind of pace are you typically running? Depends on how hard the workout was. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been as I'll start at eight minute pace a lot of times. Mm. Um, I, I think it's a mix of if the workout was really hard and then I'm starting so early in the morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I have an easier day where I don't have to work, I start faster. I think I'm just more awake, but I'll start at eight or whatever. And I get down to mid six, lower six sometimes um, if I'm feeling all right by the end. I'd say it usually averages pretty close to seven for the total ways run. Do you have a favorite session for those Wednesdays? Hour long tempo. Yeah. Yeah. So the hour long tempo, I'll try to, I'll try to average sub five, like four fifty-five or something. Slightly progressive there as well. Yeah. I used to do more of that. Now I usually am pretty even the whole time. Yeah. Get locked in. Mm -hmm. So Saturday you said is typically a marathon. How often during marathon training block are you doing Saturday marathon distance? Well, every weekend other than when I do a tune-up. Um, so it really just depends on when I started the training block. But it's consistent so, then every week other than a race. Yeah. Or, yeah, I was going to say before, but no, before I would do a marathon. Yeah, so this one will be shorter like before the fall because it's going to be a shorter block, but I, obviously I'm coming in with a decent amount of training. From yeah. Before worlds um and before worlds is a longer training block obviously because i i had a long amount of time that's really unique among current american marathoners to hit that distance every weekend maybe culturally looks more like something that we see uh, some of the top japanese runners doing how long have you incorporated that as as part of your approach and how often to add to that, do you get out on a Saturday and really have to struggle through that 26? Or do you normally feel coming off of two easy days pretty fresh? Um, I would say I usually feel pretty fresh. Uh, I, if I felt too run down, I, I can go slower. Yeah. Uh, that's, so that's a big reason why it's progression, right? So I'm not like hammering the whole 26. I'm starting easy and I just get faster towards the end. And I've been doing that basically since my return to running. Okay. 
Yeah, did you escalate into that mileage? And uh, let's say, let's go back to that day that you went out on 630 pace, then ran a 67 and decided, okay, I'm winning some local races, uh, maybe getting more serious. How did that mileage build over that time? Or did you pretty quickly go up to well into the triple digits? So back then I didn't really train for that race. So that one was still the hour a day or whatever. And then, so what, what is that? 2018 and then 2019 was my next race that summer. That's where I did like a handful of halves. Um, and there's where I really started training a little bit more. And I probably was doing the marathon on the Saturdays, but total mileage on the week wasn't as high. It was maybe, maybe triple digits, but probably closer to a hundred or so. And so I've, I've, grown into the the 140s that I'll hit now before the marathon. But that 26.2, which probably doesn't make any sense that the weekly mileage is lower and I was still doing that. That's I've been doing that basically since my first marathon. And the following it up with the 20 miles, I started that before the trials. Okay. So that was um the team I'm on now, Second City Track Club in the Chicago area. I wasn't on that team until after the trials. But I started running with those guys for their long run, which was Sundays. Uh, like in between, I did this half marathon in Houston and the trials. So there was a month between that. And I started running their long runs with them. So I would do my long run on Saturday and then their long run on Sunday with them. So that's where I started doing the back-to-back long runs was in that, I guess that was like early 2020. It's so fascinating because it's just a, a very different method than we see the long run from so many Americans, yet it's been so successful for you. I understand on your scale, the numbers that you're putting up, our audience might not be going anywhere near 140 miles a week, but it does seem apparent to me the lesson of that consistency of the long run, regardless of what it is, because let's frame it this way. How much time are you typically out on that Saturday and Sunday, that 26 on Saturday, that 20 on Sunday? How much time are those typically taking for you? Uh, the 26 fastest is like low 220s. Um, but then when I start the training block, I'll be just over 230 or something. The 20, I'm not totally sure there. Two but, hours. Yes. Okay. So two hours-ish. And that in some ways is the classic Frank shorter two hours or 20 miles, whatever happens first is a long run. And yeah, uh, yeah, your, your longest, you're going two and a half, 240. Those are, are manageable on the scale when translated to time for a lot of runners. We don't have to get caught up in how many miles you're running, Colin, because uh, I, I've seen you quoted too, that you're not necessarily going into the week with a specific number target for miles in mind, correct? Yeah, I mean, so this is just what I do and adds up to what it adds up to, which is 140. Yeah, just trying to do the 150 or whatever it ends up being. Uh, Yeah, trying to do the right work for you. Really, the only thing that changes is the workout distance. So that's what it can fluctuate for the most part. You know, my easy days are pretty much always the same. These long runs are pretty close to the marathon every time, 20 miles. Yeah, it really depends on the workout for the total miles on the week. I imagine you're uh, running through shoes pretty quick. What are you wearing? Um, so easy days and really it's turning into all my runs other than workouts. Uh, I like the Nike Invincibles. Oh yeah. They're fantastic. They're really, yeah. They're very cushioned. Um, yeah. I used to be a big Pegasus guy. So I still wear those sometimes, 
you know, if I don't feel like I need the cushion or whatever, and I'm maybe going to go a little bit faster, then a little more aggressive. And then workouts, I wear the tempo next percent. Okay. I don't usually break out the racing shoes for anything but races. How much of that training are you doing on the road? Uh, how much are you getting on soft surface? So road is every day, except that Saturday long run, I like to go out to, it's a crushed limestone path. Um, out, and it's called Waterfall Glen. I think you talked about I, the Sweat Elite videos. They've done a couple with me. Yeah. So I like to do those because that's, that's hilly. So I like to have a little more hills for that long run. Um, but other than that, it's, it's like an asphalt path that I run on pretty much every day. I know that with a job and a family and then 140-ish miles, that's already taken up a lot of time. Are you doing anything else to try to reduce injury risk, uh, any supplementals, any strength? Um, yeah, so I see a guy once a week at least that he's like a mile from where I live, um, impact rehab. Uh, he you know, does the needling, does the cupping, does the manual therapy, anything that I need. And then just a lot of rolling out and stuff like that. The strength training, you know, I'm like so many other people. I, I tend to forget about it till I, till I really need to do it. And, you know, I'm feeling something come on. But yeah, that's about it for recovery. And then nutrition. Not, I mean, I just take iron and vitamin D. And then after a, after a long run or workout, I do a protein shake. And then, you know, hydration stuff. We have Scratch Labs supports the team I'm on. So I'll, take, I'll do scratch labs after, especially now in the summer, pretty much every run I have to do the hydration. Oh yeah, this time of year, right? Yeah. How has joining that team helped you become an even better runner in the past year or so? It's given me guys to run with, which is nice. And then our coach, uh, Michael Casey, he, um, he's given me structure. So back before I was on the team, I didn't do any, what people might say like traditional workouts uh, the only thing I did, I did that long run, which I did progress. It wasn't quite as aggressive as I can get now on my progression, but that was it. I used to just go out and run. And a lot of them ended up being progression runs if I felt good or whatever. But every day I had no plan. It was just, <laughs> it was just go run. And it did work for me, but I think I have gotten better since I've joined the team and he's given me like real workouts and then I also need somebody to kind of calm me down because before I joined, it was like during COVID, sometime after the trials, everything was had already been canceled. At least it seemed that way that everything was going to get canceled. But I was still doing these crazy long runs. <laughs> I was like running like crazy. I needed somebody to kind of calm me down and say like, you got to focus on a race and have a training block so you're not worn out by the time that comes around. Um, so he's really helped me just structure my runs a little more. That's some really neat stuff to unpack a little bit, Colin. Just, yeah, a, a coach being able to find some blind spots that you have is so helpful. Yeah. But, but also to even what you do now, but before you join the team, seeing the value of getting out and running consistently and doing all that aerobic volume, how much of the puzzle that creates being able to just be consistent. Those are super valuable lessons for everybody listening. So you're on a team, but you have a job and a family. And, and given those circumstances, you aren't heading off uh, for altitude camp or napping all day. That connects with so many runners who are trying to be their best, but with limited resources. 
what are the advantages you think to that blue collar training approach and what advice might you give an athlete in a similar circumstance? The advice I would say just routine. Do you need a routine? If you're going to work eight, nine, 10 hours a day, you obviously need a routine to, to be able to also put in enough miles to be successful at the marathon. Um, I think that's the biggest thing in consistency, like you said, but, um, advantages, I'm racking my brain to find any. <laughs> so if, <laughs> if you were offered the opportunity to have the naps all day in the altitude camp and they're going to give you the money to do so, it sounds like perhaps you would consider that. If I was given the money, yeah. That, yeah. Would, be, that would be the disadvantages. I'm not sure. I mean, certainly I couldn't make the money I need to at this point in my career. But if they gave it to me, of course I'd take it. <laughs> yeah. <I wouldn't. laughs> Feeding a, a four-month-old, not cheap. Uh, yeah. To the routine point you just made, though, uh, what is your routine? How do you lay out the day starting with when you wake up for, let's say it's typically a 12-miler in the morning? So I wake up. I mean, it can vary slightly on an easy day or that Monday where I have the 18. I got to wake up a little bit earlier, but about four o'clock in the morning. Um and then try to run around 5.30 for the easy days. Um, the workout's pretty similar on Wednesday. That I'll do in the city. I, so the city's about an hour from where I live, Chicago. Mm. That's where my team kind of meets uh, for the workouts. We're all over the Chicago area, but there's a group that meets in the city that I work out with. But the time is about the same. So I need to spend the night in the city for that. So I'll do that. Wow. So after work, uh, my office is closer to the city. So I'll drive from the office to the city. My mom has a condo there. I'll stay overnight and then work out in the morning. But the time's about the same. We, we start around 5.15, uh, And then, you know, go to work around eight. And then after work, get yeah, home around six and uh, run again, you know, just put on your stuff and run again. You know, those second runs are the ones that are always the hardest, but you just gotta do it. Um, then dinner, then sleep. What time are you normally in bed? Uh, say nine, nine, nine to ten. I try to try to get to sleep before ten. That's kind of the goal. So if you do the math, things at six hours doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I have to sacrifice is the sleep. Yeah. And that's a, that's the thing I think. In, so in college, I couldn't sacrifice the sleep. So for some reason, as I've gotten older, I seem fine on six hours now. So that that helps me. Maybe part of the reason I couldn't run like I run now straight out of college, you know, getting getting up and getting to work by eight seemed like a challenge back then. Sure. So now now I'm fine. I like waking up early, so that helps me. Yeah, as you said, you just get into that routine, right? And it's remarkable discipline you have during your day. Yeah. So you qualified for the World Champs team with a sixth place finish at Chicago last fall, a great race. You were the second American. The qualifying standards were a bit quirky this time around and, and announced late. Mm. So we knew Galen Rupp was in based on his Olympic performance. And then it would be based on the top American finishers at the other majors. So I want to get into your head of what it was like. I assume you were watching New York in November as the last qualifying race and you're clinging to a spot on the team. What was that experience like? Um, I've been asked this a couple of times. It was, it was nerve wracking a little bit. I mean, I was like, if I don't make it, I don't make it. It's not something that I 
expect like you said they announced it after i didn't really know anything about it if i'm honest i wasn't paying i'm not that uh involved in the in the world even though i run okay like, I mean, to be honest i didn't really even know like worlds is this summer and <laughs> oh man yeah a guy on the team sent that i was on that i made the world team um because of the let's run yeah jonathan galt tweeted okay yeah we did like the top three currently after they announced that and, and someone screenshot it and sent it to me. And that was where I first even really knew that that was a thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but then once, once I find out then I do want to be on the team, you know? So yeah, of course I was watching New York and I didn't, I didn't want to cheer against the Americans completely. I just kind of was like, yeah, as long as they don't get sixth place, you know, we can have, <laughs> yeah. we can have four guys in the top 10, <laughs> not no six. But yeah, so Quebec was, at a certain point, it was pretty obvious he was not even going to get six. He was going to get fourth unless something happened, um, which he did. And so then it came down to, I think it was Ben True. And, yeah. Um, his name Nathan Martin? Yep. Nathan yeah, Martin so they were, from Michigan. They were, pretty close to each other towards the end there and I and the camera wasn't on them or anything but you they had like a ticker if I remember right or some yeah. something that was showing where they were so in the end so that was it was nerve-wracking but I I was kind of like it doesn't seem like they're going to be six you know what was that Michaela was right six. but then toward at the end you find out this adventure was a second off and I was like geez that's crazy <laughs> but yeah so I don't want to say I was training against the Americans but you know just don't get six. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they did want them to do well. You know, sure. Americans do well. Well, Ben True's been in a ton of big races. It was your turn, Colin. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, uh, let's get you out of here with a, a few quick ones to wrap up. First, being a Chicago guy, are you a Cubs or a White Sox guy? Uh, if I'm picking, I'd go Cubs. They don't watch baseball, but. Okay. I'd do go Cubs. Do you have a sport that you're interested in outside of running? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was very honest and also understandable given the daily schedule that you gave me earlier. There's probably not a lot of time for watching sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never really, I just can't get into it. From Illinois, a, a great legacy of Illinois runners. When you were growing up, I know you, <laughs> you, you said you, you didn't like running the way you do now, but... Were there any of those guys from previous generations, like a, a Craig Virgin, that you looked to as the great that you admired from Illinois? Um, growing up, I didn't know anything about it. But at some point in high school, I knew who Craig Virgin was. So, yeah, he's the guy. Uh, but like I said, I didn't pay that much attention to running. So, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> great. Just doing your thing, man. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, are you a Chicago style deep dish pizza guy? Yeah. Okay. All right. People that are like, oh, real Chicago people don't like gambling. You're... Well, I guess I am in the suburbs, so <laughs> it's good. I, people that say it's not, I think they're crazy. All right. Do you prefer it over a traditional crust pizza? Um, and they are kind of two different things, obviously, but picking, I think so. But you have to get the sausage patty. Okay. I used to not get that, and I would be like, it's good, it's fine. But once I started getting the sausage patty, not broken up, but the, do a whole disc of sausage under oh. the chain. Okay, yeah. That really, to me, makes it very good. Okay, so next time I'm in Chicago then, what's the one place 
I should go for the deep dish pizza with the sausage patty? Uh, I, I like Lou's the most. Lou Malati's. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a. I've heard of it at least. It's famous. I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. That's yeah. one of the, There's chains there all over the place in the Chicago area. Uh, when do you allow yourself the deep dish pizza? When you get, go to Lumonati's and, and the sausage? Is that like post race? How often is that in the diet, Colin? I have pizza about once a week. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, I'm running so much. It's not like I need to worry about calories much, you know, at least yeah. not in my mind. Okay. Part of the so, reason I run so much, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So that we can enjoy stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll leave you then with another food question. One I love to ask. It is probably the great dilemma in my life. Breakfast selections. You got three options. Pancakes, waffles, French toast. Could you rank those in order for me? Um. I'll go French toast one, waffles two, pancakes. Not my thing. Not your thing. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have a French toast recommendation? If I'm uh, on my Chicago trip, if I'm just going to gorge myself with the <laughs> deep dish pizza, is there a French toast recommendation too? Jeez. Uh, no, sorry. I don't. Okay. Honestly, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't probably choose any of those for my first choice of breakfast. You know, oh. I'm more breakfast sandwich. Okay. I, I like the protein in the in the Yeah. Meal. Okay. Where are you going for a breakfast sandwich then? Um in Chicago proper. Jeez. I don't know. I mean I've got a good place by me here in Oswego. Okay, so I gotta come out to the suburbs for breakfast. <laughs> the edge of the suburbs. If it's okay. an hour out where it's it's cornfields if you go any further west of me. Connected to the suburbs and the cornfields. That's my just, kind of country out there, yeah. It's awesome for if I if I hop on the bike, I can just do country roads. You know, if you're stuck in the suburbs, it's not you've nowhere good to to cycle. How much do you cycle? Really, just when I'm hurt. So <laughs> last summer I did a lot. I was yeah. just wondering how you were uh, gonna squeeze that into that schedule of yours. So that makes some sense then. And actually, one more then before we go, Colin. Uh, what's next for you? Uh, you mentioned a little more abbreviated fall build up here because of Eugene and the World Championships. Where are we going to get to see you in the fall? Is it Chicago again? Haven't figured that out completely. Okay. Very soon. I'm definitely doing either Chicago or New York. Great. Well, we're super excited to, to see you race at one of those two majors. And it's so impressive what you have done over the past few years, Colin. Uh, Thank you. Had to be in tremendous honor representing your country in Eugene yeah. at the World Championships. And, and we all at, at home had so much fun watching. So best wishes for the future and continued success. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure.